0: Don't you wanna die happy With a smile on your face Wake up a laughing (laughs) Cause you're free of all the things That would hold you From your ocean view Life's a landscape Why don't you
1: in your way
0: Don't you wanna... Alright Jules, Hello there, Martin.
1: What happening?
0: happening? Oh, we just got back from Ubud. Another little trip down to Ubud to enjoy some delicious food and get a night away.
1: Mm. And ding, 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 it's official. My 43-day detox is over.
0: And how did you celebrate? Mm.
1: With some alchemy banoffee pie, plant-based banoffee pie and chocolate ice cream, plant-based chocolate ice cream and <laughs> toppings, all plant-based <laughs> toppings. <laughs> And that was yesterday. Today, with my breakfast, an actual breakfast, also a plant-based breakfast, I had plant-based waffles. With? Coconut whip and caramel sauce, chocolate sauce, (laughs) everything.
0: (laughs) So you dropped back in in slowly into the...
1: It was a a, a steady and calm reintegration. And how was it? It was epic. (laughs) Absolutely epic. And... I have no apologies to make for it. My body has been hanging out. Almost two months that was without a dessert.
0: Mm. You did well. You did very well.
1: And let's face it, it was plant-based dessert. And as we all know, vegan desserts are, they're really good for you.
0: (laughs) In moderation.
1: Yes. Anyway, so we just got back from Ubud. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But before we do, I'm, I'm conscious we've... Cracked out or about to crack out 12 episodes plus, I don't know, eight or nine chinwags. And we are nearing the end of the year. We're actually nearing the end of the season. So I just wanted to thank our listeners. I'm going to do it again, but I want to thank our listeners and, and just to say, how are we doing you know let us know we've had some incredible reviews on apple podcasts from from you people listening so thank you like gratitude in abundance but any ideas you have any thoughts you have even if you just want to tell us we're really quite bad at podcasting
0: <laughs> be but, honest
1: yeah well just just fire us an email with anything with any thoughts you know any love hate you can leave
0: us a voicemail on our um, website.
1: You can. You can do that. You can you can go on the website, howtodiehappypodcast.com forward slash on dash the dash show. At the bottom of all of the guest profiles, there's a, a blooming great big button that says leave us a message. Or you could email us at hi at com, or martin at com, or Julia
0: at podcast.com.
1: Zato, The point being, uh, we are making this for you. So please feel free to, to let us know what you think. You know, how are we doing? So who did we talk to in this special episode of How To Die Happy?
0: We spoke to Peter McIntosh, who is the founder of the Pyramids of Qi in Ubud, Bali. And we also spoke to one of the gong masters, Jordan, who talked us through a lot of the instruments that he would use during a sound healing ceremony.
1: So unpack that from the beginning. What are the Pyramids of Qi and what is sound healing?
0: Well, the Pyramids of Qi are actually, as they say, they are pyramids that have been built in the middle of the rice paddies in Ubud. And there's three pyramids, two of which are purpose built for sound healing
1: ceremonies. And Peter and his wife, Lynn, who are Australian, originally built the Pyramids of Chi. I'm not going to spoil the whole story because Peter tells the entire story. And I suppose I must remember that before I came to Bali and started doing all manner of, of phenomenal alternative healing stuff, I had never heard of sound healing. I didn't, know what, I didn't even know what isochronics were or binaural beats. I had no idea of the healing power of frequency and the, well, the power, yeah, the the absolute innate power of frequency on our mind, body, and spirit.
0: It's definitely becoming more mainstream now, like sound healing. I hear a lot more about it these days. Like a lot of people are offering it. I've got a lot of friends in London that offer sound healing.
1: Which is great. That that is phenomenal, especially if cities in the West and and people are still starting to get their head around it. Actually, the first breath work session I ever had, which I I thought was here, but it actually wasn't. It was in London. It was with a wonderful chap called Stu, Scottish bloke. uh, And he has um, a setup called Breathpod. In fact, I think Stu's like a Radio 1 breathwork DJ dude now.
0: On Radio 1?
1: Yeah, I think they've actually Radio 1 and now he's got a, a regular slot on Radio 1 doing guided breathwork, which is
0: Epic. That's amazing. Well, isn't
1: it? For those of you who are, who are not from the UK, uh, Radio One is BBC Radio One is is the main public radio station. So, so things have advanced rather a lot. But the first breathwork session I did was in a, a really swanky gym in Shoreditch, and he and his lovely partner facilitated it and they, they collaborated with a, a sound healer and she had a gong and she had some, I think she had crystal singing bowls and a couple of other beautiful instruments. And i, I it was a transcendental experience for me. It was an incredible breathwork session. All this to say, for those of you who have no idea what sound healing is, there is hard science behind this. Um, but again, yet again, we find ourselves doing a podcast episode where we are talking about an incredibly ancient practice that is now gaining more and more support through science and through the simple fact that it is actually having a, a, a transformational effect on people. And yet again, we see that that people are are turning back to ancient practices in order to heal. So, you know, again, we're sort of building, we're bridging that that gap mm. between science and spirituality and this is a really wonderful episode it's a little bit lengthy so please do bear with us because we didn't just speak to Peter as Joel said we spoke to Jordan so we were in two different locations on site and Jordan actually gives us a little talk around some of the instruments and then Jordan gave you a very short sound healing session
0: yeah he did it's magical I've never had a private sound healing but after that I definitely want to get one
1: Yeah and it was only three minutes unfortunately Three
0: minutes, really powerful
1: So and ideally it's usually 45 minutes to an hour right Yeah So yeah we really hope you enjoy this
0: And we'd like to give a big special thanks to Peter
1: Yes because we didn't actually say thank you to him in the recording did we Because he had to shoot off
0: Yes he did So we'd like to say a big thank you Peter for um, coming on the show And for allowing us to um, sample some of the wonderful sound healing
1: Yeah Okay, well, this is Jules and I at the Pyramids of Chi.
0: So, Peter, what did your neighbours say when you announced you were building two pyramids in a rice field?
2: Well, <clears throat> we weren't really in contact with much of our neighbours then because we'd been living in America. But one of my sons nailed it. He's the number three son, big, tall, red-headed fella, six foot six, you know. And um, he's the only spiritual one in our family. And he said, Dad, you've done some crazy shit in your life, but now we think you've really lost it. <laughs> <laughs> and now when he comes up here... Um, he's fantastic, you know, he just he just loves the whole thing. He'll be sitting up there in the cafe doing a bit of drawing, he's a graphic artist and an artist, and he'll see someone sitting by themselves and he'll wander over and start chatting to them and say, would you like a bit of a tour around the place? I can show you all around. Why mm. oh, do you work here? He says, no, but my dad owns the place. <laughs> yeah,
1: but now and, he's a convert.
2: Yeah, so as far as neighbours go, they kind of were a bit sceptical. I've, I've really got very, very few friends from the corporate uh, life that I had. Uh, they all think I've gone over to the other side. Um, <laughs> I have to say, I think I've gone to the light side. They're still on the dark side. Yeah, it's almost um, of nice perspective. And so they kind of shake their heads when I walk in a room these days. Uh, but what we have done is we have just grown our friendship base, uh, in- unbelievably so through the Pyramids of G. Mm. People come here, they love it, they love talking to us, and the end result of that is that now we've got thousands and thousands of people all over the world that um, are our ambassadors. They're the ones that tell everybody about what we're doing here. You nice. know, as I was saying earlier, we don't do much advertising, bit of word of, mainly word of mouth advertising, um, little bit of social media, a bit of signage, but other than that, uh, the people like what they've seen and they tell others.
0: Great, and that's such a beautiful way to get the word out. When it's, it's very organically organically done and then you feel like it's much more genuine.
2: Well, people react to that. If someone's uh, told about what's happened at the Pyramids of Chi, then they'll make a point of coming. Uh, you know, we've had them from just about every corner in the world. Mm. So it's, uh, it's a good feeling to know that uh, others are out there telling people what we're doing.
1: I think I've probably met people from all over the world coming here so many times. It's uh, it's a truly unique place. We are currently sitting in one of three pyramids uh, in the center of some rice paddies <laughs> in the outskirts of Ubud. So if I look out, uh, the, the, the pyramid we're in right now has windows because it's a workshop pyramid. But if I look out the window, I'm, I can see jungle and rice paddies, so just to give you an idea of the setting, it is literally 50 shades of, of lush green everywhere you look. But when you started to construct these, these the first two pyramids in the middle of these rice paddies, what were the Balinese folks saying then? Were they, did you have
2: anything to do with the, the local folks in the early days? We did because um, we looked everywhere. I, I, you've heard my story, I had a vision and the vision was to uh, build two pyramids. And I got told a very strong message, you know, great believer in spirit, God, universe, I'm not religious, but I am a believer. And um, so we looked all over Ubud. Uh, my wife thought I was crazy, suggesting we build pyramids in Bali.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's an unusual suggestion on a well, Sunday afternoon, isn't
2: it? You know, when I When I came in, I said, oh, darling, uh, darling, and you know, you, Julia, you know what? She's
0: what, like, what? Uh, y- what? <laughs> yeah, exactly,
2: you know. And I, and I told her I'd had this vision and had the words come through to me. So we decided, well, let's see if it's my imagination or not. Let's look around and see if we can find some land. We looked everywhere in Ubud. Two days before we're due to return back to Perth, uh, we happened to be walking on some land a little bit further, the other side of the road here. Now it didn't feel right. Came for a wander across these rice fields here. As I stepped onto the rice field that we're now, the pyramid's sitting on, I got the goosebumps mm. all the way up the back of my arms. And I turned around to Lynn who was right behind me, and before I'd even open my mouth, she said, I just got it too. Wow. At the time we'd made our way 300 metres, or if you're from America, 300 yards, down to the river, which is a, you know winding its way through rice fields, which are full of water, um, we just knew that that's where it was meant to be. But then the next hurdle was in talking to the man that had been showing us the other land, we said, okay, Nerman, what about this land here? We really like it, we feel it's good. No, not available, not available. The man that owns this land is one of the wealthiest men in the village, he won't, he won't uh, lease it out to you. He cannot buy land here, he can only lease it. And we said, well, will you ask him? And he said, no, 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 waste of time, waste of time. Well, the one thing you get to know about Balinese is they cannot handle confrontation of any kind. So I raised my voice just a little bit and I said, Yeoman, please, ask him. And he he said, okay. Uh, That afternoon, we got a phone call back. um, He would like to meet us. In trying to explain to him what we want, because he didn't speak English, he thought we wanted to build a hospital. (laughs) And I said, no, it's not a hospital. It's a sound healing centre. It's all about healing from within, through sound and vibration and by building uh, unbelievable pyramids. Now, the the actual Balinese are very familiar with pyramids because of features in their religion. So anyway, eventually he agreed and he said, okay, market price. And we were astounded because normally, you know, when a a westerner goes to a, a local here and wants to, you know, do something with them financially, they up the price significantly. So that was our first indication that, yes, we're going to get a good run with this. So it took a while for the locals to accept what we're doing here. But we used a lot of them for the construction. You know, the women for carrying all the rocks and breaking them, the men for building the walls, you know, the retaining walls everywhere. And uh, very soon we became accepted. Just recently, as I was talking uh, about, I had an operation. Everybody in the village knows about it. Because <laughs> now when I <laughs> go for a walk with the dogs in the morning, they all look at me, they point at their tummy, they rub their hands on it, and they, oh, still, suck it. Everything no, no. good? Everything's okay now. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, bless. Proper village life.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you're like the, the, the very unusual neighbours in the village because you have three pyramids in <laughs> <laughs> your garden. Uh, a bit weird, they think. <laughs> I think they
2: think.
0: Yeah. So um, what... What is Pyramids of Chi all about?
2: As I just said, it's really about sound healing. When I got that message, I got told that we're building a sound healing centre. Seriously, I didn't know much about sound healing. but had a little sort of place down in Perth that we'd dabbled with, we'd played with. It was more of a hobby centre than anything. But I kind of knew what was behind sound healing. And so I started, I threw myself right into the whole sound healing scene. Right, to find out how it works and why it works. And then it came to me, why am I doing sound healing with pyramids? So I threw myself into the pyramid scene. And we really didn't fully, fully appreciate it until such time as we put the gongs in the pyramids. And then we realised that the resonance coming off those gongs, off the didgeridoos, off the drums, off the singing bowls, bouncing off the walls of the pyramids and back down onto our bodies, just how it worked. And that was that was the aha moment where we finally realised why spirit wanted us to build pyramids and then to install sound healing instruments within them because it really is a, uh, a phenomenon that even today I still don't fully appreciate or understand but although we're writing our book on, on the whole story at the moment, um... To be actually able to definitely confirm exactly what it is, that's another question. But what we do know is it works. And I've got a, um, uh, a book full of stories. I call them the healing stories. And often when people come out of the pyramid, I ask them, you know, did anything really happen to you while you're in there?
1: Well, I suppose what you're saying is that there's, there's
2: still a great deal of mystery around resonance and pyramids? It sure is. I mean, what actually happens is these vibrations, these frequencies, um, when we play them, you might be laying in front of the gong or you could be laying on the outside of the uh, the area within the pyramid, and these sounds are bouncing off the walls, and bear in mind they're all facing inwards. Uh, those sounds tend to work up through what we call our chakra centres the chakra centres being the seven key energy centres within our body. And you mentioned it at the beginning about the green lush fields. Well, you can see from the banner behind us here that the heart chakra is green. And so everything we do here, we believe, comes from the heart. And so as these sounds, these frequencies, these vibrations are um, uh, striking the human body and they're working up through the chakras, they'll often perform what is known as a balancing, a chakra balancing. Um, the Chinese kind of describe it like a, like a spinning top, like a, like a CD that's spinning and it's, and it's not quite flat. It's uh, like the old rat record that would get a bit of a warp in it. And so what happens is as these vibrations work through that chakra, it settles it down, it rebalances it. And many people, when they're suffering from something, Emotional one is the biggest, but it could be mental, it could be physical, that's your chakra, that's their reaction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other people call it pain. And so what it does, it settles it down and overcomes that uh, imbalance. And by overcoming that imbalance, then people have a healing effect. Now, some of it could be short-lived, some of it could be forever. And, you know, if we had the time and i talked about my stories, you'd just be blown away by the feedback we get from people all over the world. And in fact, I was talking to uh, the the group you saw at the other table here a while ago. One of the ladies is from New York. She's a cancer surgeon. And I was telling her about the only real book that I've ever seen written by anybody in that field, a... um, Uh, a surgeon in um, New York, where she's from, had written on the power of sound healing. Kenyon's his name. Mm -hmm. And here's a a guy that deals with people suffering from cancer all the time. He got introduced to it by a patient that was a Buddhist that was playing a singing bowl Mm -hmm. while he was talking to him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So even oncologists, you know, and people who we tend to think of as, you know, oh let's just cut it out or burn it out or do whatever are now starting to realize there are other alternatives
1: yeah yeah I, I think that's one thing I discovered when I first came to the pyramids of chi which was probably about two and a half years ago I knew nothing mm. about resonance healing whatsoever mm. and the first experience I had here I think I might have actually come on a full moon I think, yeah, it was a, I think it was a I full moon ceremony, too. which is a special night here anyway. Because sure. on a busy night, you have a you have sixty odd people in one pyramid. You have a yeah. well, everyone goes and does a really wonderful uh, fire pit yeah. ceremony first, and uh, puts their intention into the fire. There's a connection at that point between sixty odd total strangers from around the world. Which yeah. I, I've done quite a few of those nights here, mm-hmm. and it's that's always a wonderful thing. And then. Everyone goes into the into the pyramid and, and lies down. You've got beds, you've got uh, eye masks, and everyone lies down next to one another. Don't
0: forget the blankets.
1: And there are blankets. Yeah, Jules <laughs> Jules enjoys the blankets. <coughs>
2: Excuse me. <laughs> yeah,
1: and then of course you have the the gong masters in in the pit, and the the pit is this uh, slightly sunken space, which is just it's a smorgasbord board of sound healing instruments, mm. and and I. I had a transcendental experience the first time I, I yes. came here, which uh, I don't think I was fully expecting. And so I, I, I really dove deep into sound healing frequency and started to, to learn a lot more about it and learn about the, the subatomic effects of, of resonance. And, of course, at a subatomic level, we are vibration, aren't we? If you go right past the water and right past everything else, we are vibration. 100% vibration. And it, and actually, and there's lots of physics to support this. It's just that I think so many, so few people are aware of it. Perhaps because it's physics, and you know that's complex, and you know we don't really kind of want to get involved with that. I don't know, or, or because we're so we feel so safe with allopathic medicine. Perhaps.
2: Well, it's the conditioning. Yeah. You turn on the television, and it's all about what medicine you should be taking, or what vaccination you should be having, or. Whatever, And the majority of the people in the world have been conditioned over the last 50, 100 years to mm-hmm. turn to their doctor for a solution. Mm. Um, now we're seeing a change, a big change, you know, and it's been forecast for a long time it's going to start happening. And so people are realising now that um, sound healing, many people are now experiencing the healing power of sound. and. Whether it's physical, and we've had lots of people have had physical reactions. A guy at that table I was just talking about a moment ago, he said, I was laying down and he said, and for the first 10, 15 minutes, all my hands and feet were tingling. Mm. I said, that's typical, that is a typical reaction, you know. Uh, and so, so many people have had those physical reactions which can go all the way through to, you know, almost out of body experiences. Emotional, a big one. Many people break into tears, uh, get quite emotional in there, and all our gong masters are all trained on how to look after somebody who is, you know, really having a um, a big letting go, you know, uh, of whatever it is that they've been holding on to for maybe years in some cases, you know, um, and then of course the other one is really a mental issue that um, is not from the heart; it's mental. The people that are just They're so overwhelmed by the stresses of what's in their lives at the moment. It could be daily, it could be relationships, it could be survival, it could be anything. And once again, that crown chakra, the third eye chakra, you know, they just start balancing and people come out of there and uh, they're friends. We had a lady here one day that um, all her friends just turned to her and says, what's happened to you? And she said, how do you know? And they said, well, look at your eyes. Mm. And her eyes were bright and clear and all the rest of it. Before she went in, the friends were saying, it looked like she had cataracts. You know, So, so many people can have the most amazing uh, healings and reactions from sound. And of course the pyramids themselves have their own special energy. That's why pyramids all over the world I know this is probably one of your questions, I'm probably jumping ahead here. You
1: jump ahead, uh, you go. <laughs> you
2: know, All pyramids around the world are built to what we know of as sacred geometry, mm-hmm. right? They have the angle at the base, they have one wall that's always aligned directly true north, right, not magnetic, but true north, and if you build them according to sacred geometry, and all three here are exactly that way, even the... Uh, the, the frames we've got around the property are all aligned, then you can—you don't have to have something as complex as what we've got. You can build one out of copper piping and sit inside it. Mm. And you'll still get the same reaction if you've got that alignment and the angle of the uh, the actual sides of the pyramid. Yeah. And what we've uh, discovered in time and time again is that whoever built the pyramids, we don't know, we, we're thinking it's certainly well beyond 10,000 years ago, Whoever constructed them knew what they're doing because they're not just in Egypt or Mexico. They're on every continent. They're under every ocean. You know, I've I've met people that have swum down to the pyramids off the coast of Japan. You know, people that have worked um, on excavating pyramids in... um, um, Was it Slovenia or... Yeah, yeah. yeah, That area there, you know. Um, They just... People know that pyramids have special special powers, and whoever came up with the idea of building pyramids all over the globe knew what they're doing, because you know they got that aligned with Orion's Belt, uh, they got um, something so so special. And although there's two types of pyramids, there's the ones which we see here, which has got the pointy at the top, and then there's the ones that you get in China and uh, Central America, that's got the flat topped. They're all served for a purpose, you know. History tries to tell us it's to religion and all sorts of things. Um, I firmly believe, as do many, many uh, people and well-known writers, they're all about energy. Mm-hmm. All about energy. There's lots of photos taken of the energy rising from the pyramid at night time, particularly. You know, so that energy combined with the, uh, the vibrations, the frequencies of the instruments, and of course, you've also got to add in the energy of the people in the pyramid as well. Mm-hmm. You put all that together, and magic happens. Yeah, I, I
1: totally agree. And, and I don't know—is maybe when I when I was growing up, I'm I'm uh, what 46, so in the 80s, I was educated. But I don't remember anybody. I didn't really pay attention at school, in fairness. <laughs> but my history teacher, Mr. Chinian, I shall never forget. Uh, he used to call me Monkey Tool, and he'd, he'd say, Jaldi, Jaldi, Monkey Tool, Jaldi, Jaldi, come here. <laughs> and he, and he, he needed to get me to the front of the class to tell me off because I was always the class clown and distracting everyone else. So perhaps he did tell me about this. And if you did, Mr. Chinian, I apologise. But all I remember is hearing about the Great Pyramid, Egypt, mm. and Mexico. But actually, as you just highlighted, Japan, Indonesia, Greece... Italy, Sudan, Cambodia, Peru, I think even Bosnia. Bosnia. There, there are pyramids. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. all around the world. And here's another interesting mystery that that I still can't cotton. There are many mysteries surrounding the, the pyramids, mm. which, which e- Egyptologists cannot explain. But one of them is, as you've just identified, that Um, many of them are are aligned to the Orion's Belt pattern. And actually, across the globe, left to right, you have the, I can never say this, Teotihuacan, uh, Mexican Mm -hmm. Pyramid. Then you've got the Great Pyramid. And then on the far side of the world in China, you've got the Xi'an Pyramid. Mm -hmm. All three of those are aligned to the Orion's Belt format. But if you draw a, a line between them on the world map, That is also the Orion's belt pattern. And of course, I suppose the obvious question is how thousands, and we're talking thousands and thousands of years ago in different eras, in different countries, did any, was anybody aware of this? Was anybody communicating? Was anybody able to engineer such a thing with such precision? Because the Mm. precision of the positioning and the precision of the geometry of all of these pyramid structures, and of course, the construction techniques, which nobody can explain, is frankly mind-boggling, isn't
2: it? Well, the construction techniques is what really turned my uh, key on, because when you look at them and you see, even to this day, we can't build pyramids the way they did. You know, we do not have the technology, the expertise, the ability to build them. You know, the interlocking stones, and that's why pyramids don't collapse. Mm. You know, because they're built with such incredibly interlocking construction that handles anything like that. And and you look at the Great Pyramid of Giza on 13 acres of land, mm. and the difference from the diagonal corners is something like about two centimeters. Mm. Now, how did they achieve that? They couldn't do it today without a ruler. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so you know, when you add all those things together, and even Australia's got a pyramid in Gympie. You know, uh-huh. uh, I know of a a guy that's explored a pyramid that you're not allowed to go to because it's the the, the natives believe it's a haunted hill mm. in Tonga on one of the islands there, and this guy goes out there for his holidays and makes a point of going out and digging around. He said, "I I scrabble to get, and I pull the undergrowth away, and there's the stones there." So, how did a civilization or another dimension create identical pyramids? Globally, mm-hmm. right? And now we've, now we've got uh, some very well-known speakers and writers suggesting that there's pyramids on the moon as well. And Mars. And Mars, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, you know, obviously there's a lot we don't know. And I, I, I love to, to believe that, yes, spirit comes in many forms and maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 years ago, uh, there was another civilization that came here Create them for whatever reason, and, um, you know, we stand to benefit now. We still don't know the full reasoning behind them, and we probably never will in our lifetimes, but um, you know, I've got a lot of time. We've got a lot of them here. I've got a lot of time for Russians. There, there the, are
1: a lot of Russians here.
2: There are, and the, the Russians are the only ones in the world that we know of that actually have turned the pyramid structure into a commercial venture, Mm. They build them over the top of um, oil fields. Yeah. They put medicines into them. They you know, type into uh, uh, Mr. Google, Russian pyramids, and you just find unbelievable amount of content there. So they've recognized that it's, it's a scientific phenomena, mm-hmm. the actual shape of a pyramid as well. Yeah. So you know, when we add all these factors together, what have we got? We've got something that's really, really different.
1: Yeah, well, you have what we would call magic, but actually what slowly but surely scientists are are managing to prove is science. Mm. Because ultimately, one thing that we can't deny about the pyramids is that they are absolutely based on geometry and maths. Mm. And what is maths? Well, maths is the language of the universe. Mm. Man did not invent mathematics. Man discovered it. Mm -hmm. Man tripped over it. Mathematics is everywhere we look it's in the flowers in the garden outside yes. it's in the raindrops it's in the snowflakes um, so w- I, my personal view is that the, the, there is a good chance that the notwithstanding the fact that the pyramids were I think generators uh, sorry healing centers, I think they were resonant healing centers mm-hmm. using the, the geometry and and they, they all, because they also used the four the four principal harmonics, don't mm-hmm. they? I think so. Mm-hmm. The sonic centres. There, there was a chap called oh, what was he called? Dan uh, Tom Danley, mm-hmm. who did uh, some sound research and discovered he recorded the resonance and and various pitches and he and he discovered some phenomenal things about the the resonant frequency in the the pyramids, but also. That they were power generators. Now I don't know if you've—I don't know if you've come across. Well, yeah. you must have done because you oh, were yeah. the pyramid achieve But of course, Tesla was inspired
2: by the the pyramids, wasn't he? She was, yeah. And one of the, uh, the the things that really excites us is that you know and you just mentioned it there about the power generation. Um, when we were building the first pyramid, uh, sorry, the second pyramid, the pyramid of the sun. Uh, We'd completed it, and of course it's a double skin, so and it's next to water. So the idea was the air would move off the water between the two layers of the uh, outer and inner walls and exhaust out the top through a special venting process. But our floors were hot. Mm. Now, hang on, how did the floors get hot? Because the sun's shining, but it's not going to heat up the insides. Whatever. We went underneath the floor of the pyramid, and it was like a sauna down there. It was drawing the energy up from underneath of us, mm. literally drawing be this. drawing the heat up, you mm. know. And and then, uh, not long after, we had the first of our uh, ley line um, discoverers here, and we've had three different people here that have all spent one one guy spent three min- three months here just tapping into the ley line and they've all said exactly the same story, they didn't know each other it was spread out over a couple of years they've all said this ley line that starts in Antarctica, comes up through Victoria, Uluru in in Central Australia um, Uluwatu Mm -hmm. through here, right here up through Mount Agung and then obviously heading off to Angkor Wat and eventually the Great Mm. Pyramid of Giza Um, when we know that we're on a a very powerful ley line. I mean, there's ley lines everywhere.
1: And it's probably worth explaining for the audience members that don't know, what's a ley line?
2: Ley, ley lines are energy lines that run around the, the globe. They're not always in a straight line. They can be uh, curved. They can be even zigzagged in some cases, but they are physical. You, you can find them by using... like We we find them using the, 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 the divining rods. Mm-hmm. Other people will find them through... Various methods from the pendulums, whatever, but these are lines of energy where, you know, sometimes you can walk onto it and you can feel it. Mm-hmm. And the number of people that have come here and I've, like, I could not even estimate the numbers that um, have come here and discovered that they're on an energy center here. Yeah. Each one of the pyramids is built over an energy center. Mm. In the center of our uh, our main building there, the cafe there we have our energy vortex where we've got that pillar Mm -hmm. with all the carvings on it. Mm -hmm. And now, no one knew that was an energy vortex. We didn't put out a rod or anything, but the architect, when he was designing the layout for the property, positioned the cafe, which is a big building, it's 20 by 20 metres, on the land, and the central pillar, as it turned out, was discovered by a man in Hong Kong, (laughs) you know, with the pendulums and everything, uh, who knows everything that you've got to know about pyramids. He's an absolute wizard of a man. Um, he said, you've got an energy centre, no, it's an energy vortex, right in the centre of your pyramid. Now, how did that happen? Of course it happened, you know. <laughs>
1: There's no such thing as
2: coincidence. There isn't, is there? <laughs> no. <laughs> and so, so these sort of situations all come to the same realisation for us, that everything happens for a reason. There is—you did spot on. No such thing as coincidence. Everything happens for a reason. Our whole story here, how it came to happen, how we financed it all, how we found our, our gong masters, our, 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 our customer base, everything else like that, has come to us because it's been meant to happen. Okay, we're still struggling over why, for the last 21 months, numbers are so far down and what's going on around the planet, but. You know, they, they laughingly call it on the internet, the big reset. I don't think they realize exactly what reset we're going to get. Hmm,
1: that's <laughs> a very good point, Peter. I think we probably know. <laughs> I think we might. <laughs> well, I, the thing for me is you had this, this vision and you, you took a, one heck of a leap, let's face it. I mean, in terms of one of the deathbed regrets is I wish I'd had the courage to live my dreams. And I, I don't think anybody could criticize you for being a fearful man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> having, having taken this leap. But, uh, but I think quite clearly what you've done is created something that people just naturally gravitate towards. And, and that's because it, it is a legitimate space of energy and healing. And I've, I've been here countless times and I've, been, I've done lots and lots of ceremonies here and, I, and I've every time had a, a wonderful experience and, and also witnessed other people's wonderful experiences. And I, I've met some people, I've met total strangers here. I actually had a friend in London, a lady called Alice, who owns a, a big store in, in on Carnaby Street in London. I met her here. Did you really? During a ceremony, after a ceremony, we were, both, we were both sitting at either end of a table having the veggie curry after yeah. the full moon, both sort of, you know, vibrating, <laughs> 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 z- 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 quietly, not even looking at one another. And, you know, I think we just sort of caught each other's eyes and just immediately started talking. And she was like, wow. I said, yeah, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? And then we got talking and then, and then we actually, we, we talked for so long, we ended up then going into town. Had a meal, we uh, down at Zest, we had a yeah. hot chocolate. We talked about seven hours or something. I was like, mate, amazing to meet you. And that was it. Never saw her again. She's she's back in London, still in touch with her. Yeah, I, I think that's another thing that the Pyramids of Chi does is connect people.
2: We really are about trying to connect people in so many different forms. And it quite often does start with a reaction mm. from what they've experienced. Either just you know, I've had people walk into the front door of the of the reception centre there and break into tears, you know. Uh, I've had people coming away from the sessions at the the fire pit, and just shaking their heads because they can't understand what just happened to them. And of course, so many people come out of the pyramids themselves, and a lot of them, after speaking to one of the gong masters, is directed towards me, um, just to ask questions or share stories or whatever, and. For us, having come out of retirement to do this, uh, you know, so many people see. People say, "Oh, you're so brave to do this." I don't see bravery in any form here. I just see following my heart and realizing every day goes by uh, that we're on the right path. Mm. Uh, we had a, a new moon night two nights ago, and on the way home, I said to Lynn, "Are you on a high?" She said, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Retirement. What (laughs) retirement? And and I said, so am I. And we always experience that after a full moon or a new moon night because everybody gets so pumped up that when we do go home, we can't sleep. Mm. You know, we've got to have a cup of tea or something just to calm ourselves down. It's part of what is happening here that is so, so uh, exciting and something that we get very passionate about. So you know the the, the the beautiful thing is these instruments do speak to us as well, mm. and they tell us a little bit like you were saying before about the if only and you know how much time we're on this beautiful planet of ours. Listen to these messages mm. that come whether you're lying down in a pyramid, whether you're um, listening to one of the beautiful sounds off the instruments. Or whether you're just wandering around the, you know, these beautiful grounds here, and getting a message. We've got a tree down there that we call John's tree, mm-hmm. right? This lady came here one day with two friends. She's from Canada, from Vancouver, and um, they wandered all around the ground. And then about three hours later, they came up to me, and I said, Where, "Where's your friend?" "Oh, she's sitting down underneath that um, that tree of yours down at the bottom there." And so I went down to see if she was okay. And she was howling her eyes out. And I said, are you okay? And she said, my son's here. Mm. I said, what do you mean? He said he got killed in a car accident last year. Um, I've got a big favor to ask of you. Can I leave some of his ashes at the base of the tree? I get overcome with emotion like I am now mm-hmm. in telling the
1: story. It's a beautiful story.
2: And she's a um, beautiful big hug afterwards. And Every now and then we'll exchange an email. How, how's John Street? I'll send her a photo. He's twice the size of when you came here. <laughs> um, one day I was here and we were going through what you do in any business, ups and downs in you know, how much money have we got now and how much do we need to finish this off or to buy that or whatever. And it was a, we're going through a tough time. So, it was early in the morning, 7 o'clock one morning, so I thought, I'll wander down and I'll have a talk to John.
1: Mm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so, I'm sitting on the chairs and I'm just sort of meditating with John, and he was a financial advisor in his life. No way. Yeah. Okay. And a very successful one, apparently, according to his mum. Anyway, so I said, John, I don't know, mate, is this going to all work? This is very early in the day. Is this all going to work? I mean... A couple of million dollars sitting here, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got things we need to, you know, spend money on. Do this, do that. We need to get a courtesy van. We need to, but I haven't got the cash for that right now. And the message I got back was just look for the signs. Oh, well, that's a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, John. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thanks, John. Gave you a hug and you know, ran the tree yeah. and wandered back I was up hoping
1: here. for a cash flow forecast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the lotto numbers. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm walking back up this path, and I kid you not, I kid you not, there's a fresh 50,000 rupee a note lying in the middle of the path the sign that I could not have missed walking down there uh-huh. nobody else on site this is 7:30 in the morning nobody else on site I've still got that 50,000 note I have it tucked under my monitor
1: mm. you know I think one thing that uh, keeps coming back to me in these podcasts in in quite a few episodes now is is we are talking about energy mm. We are talking about energy more and more and and I think it's it's important that we that we just unpack that when we're talking about sound healing and what we've been talking about here because I came from a former Catholic background in the West in the UK and, and I was atheist and I was agnostic and I, I I would never have considered myself spiritual. I would have never considered myself as anyone Particularly convinced by the metaphysical, although I had had throughout my whole life a lot of metaphysical experiences, inter- interactions with dead people yeah. um, and uh, and other entities. I can't even tell you whether or not they were dead or from another den- another dimension. I don't know, but but still, I pushed all that away. And so whenever whenever we we do these interviews, I often think, where are our listeners? You know, what country are they in? What city are they in? Are they, are they in a car? Are they in an office? Are they going, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, you bunch of woo-woo, <laughs> crazy people. And, and I, I suppose I'm talking to you right now because I was one of those people, right? And But now, knowing what I know and having experienced what I've experienced, I can tell you we are energy. And physics professors will tell you that we are connected to a unified field. And it's what the Jedis would call a force, right? Um so it makes perfect sense when you start to unpack the, the physics. If we are all energy, we are, in, we are connected to a unified field of energy, and, our, and our, our bodies at a subatomic level are also vibrating energy, it makes perfect sense to me that if you found the right frequency with a Tibetan singing bow or a crystal bow or a gong, and you got me in the right place with the right setting and at exactly at the right position, and then you hit me up with that frequency, of course, it, it must be entirely likely that you're going to realign the the vibration of parts of my body,
2: right? Sure. Mm. Now, I come from a, a business background. Since the 1970s, I've always had my own businesses. Uh, fortunately, 90% of them were very successful and I did very well out of it. Uh, when I got introduced to the whole concept of building pyramids in Bali and playing gongs, <laughs> I thought, mm, no, nah, spirit, you, you know, I, I believe in spirit and God and universe. I thought, no, nah, you've got the wrong man here. It's not me. Uh, you know, I'm not one of those flakes that, you know, wear the, the, you know, the weird outfits and no. have long hair. No, sorry, it's not me, you know. I've got short hair and I look like I belong in an office on St George's Terrace somewhere, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um... So I had to really, really come to the, um, I guess, the awakening almost of what I've been conditioned to believe all my life, which was make more money, because that's your answer, is not the answer. And I remember seeing the week beforehand, right, the week beforehand, a guy walking, I was down in Semenyek, a guy walking towards me, and he had a T-shirt on. I said, he who dies with the most toys wins. And I turned to Lynn, my wife, and I said, what a load of crap. Mm. What's he going to do, take him with him? You mm-hmm. can't. You know. Um, and then it started to happen. And then, you know, the pyramids and everything else transpired. And you know, the way we got the money is nothing short of doo 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 you know. Miraculous. Totally miraculous. And so, you know, you talk about the fear of death. Lynn and I have absolutely no fear of death. We, we're ready for it. You get that, God? Whenever, whenever the time comes, we're ready, right? Because we've made peace with ourselves. We've had a great life. We've had yeah. a fantastic life. We've done stuff that, you know, I'd never talk about on a microphone. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but you might. <laughs> Maybe not. Sounded like you were about to. <laughs> I, I think I'd, I think I'd be uh, hung, drawn, and quartered by my wife. <laughs> anyway. Um, But, you know, we've we've led a full life. Yeah. Unlike some of those people you're talking about back in London, unlike some of my family back in Australia. Mm -hmm. My oldest son is a pastor in the church, and I go head-to-head with him all the time because he tries to tell me that, Dad, if you don't believe that God, you know, that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins, you're not going to heaven. And I say to him, you will not come to Bali because you're scared of what you're going to see. Mm. He says, no, 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 no. I just believe that you're on the wrong track because, you know, you call yourself spiritual and spiritual is evil. And I said, well, you ought to come to Bali sometime and walk down any village main road and see them all out there putting their offerings in or at yeah. the temple stand, standing around waiting for the Munku to finish his, his ceremony. It's not once a week on Sunday morning. Every day. Exactly. Beautiful you know, dedication. Total, total dedication. And and in real terms, you know, they're putting out offerings and that uh, that cost them money, you know, that they haven't got. So, and that doesn't make just the Balinese people special in maybe going to heaven. There's many, many, many different cultures and religions and stuff around the world mm. uh, that all have faith and to me faith is more important than having a religion and if you've got the faith then when the time does come to pass over nothing's going to worry you're not going to be scared you're not going to be worried my my mother-in-law was you know she was desperately hanging on to life even at 95 she's still desperately hang on to life because she thought i'm just going to turn to dust mm. i don't want to turn to dust mm. you know i sweep that up every day yeah yeah <laughs> um and so when you do have that faith, it's a beautiful thing to carry within. And so when the time comes and I, you know you know that deep down, um, I'm never going to play the F only, or oh, please God, I don't. There'll always be something there like, I really wish I'd done. Mount Everest? No, maybe not. <laughs> but you know, there's always probably built, something... Built another pyramid. <laughs> yeah. But... Well, we're going to have lots of pyramids all over the world if, uh, if, if the grand plan happens. But yeah. seriously, um, we'll always leave with some sort of void. But I think the worst thing in, in the world that I, I've ever heard is that, that horrible story about the, uh, the man whose belief, and we all have heard of them, lying on his death deathbed and said if only i'd spent more time with the family Mm, which is one of the top 10 common deathbed regrets of course and and so the joke is how many people lie on the deathbed and said if only i'd spent more time at the office Mm. come on come on i'm totally with you but i I think you in particular would be
1: a, a classic example of someone who has had an awakening, for want of a better word, had that realization come out of retirement in your instance, and and then completely and utterly directed your attention and energy and Lynn as well to the service of others. Mm. And from where I'm sitting, to be in the service of others is is one of the most amazing things any of us can do.
2: Well, I turned seventy-four in May, and. Um a lot of people compliment me on, you, know, you know, I don't look my age, and that makes me feel really good. You know, I've got, like you, the pandemic beard now. You yeah. know, I've never grown a beard in my life. Yeah, you
0: are both looking a little bit scruffy today. Yeah,
2: he looks good. He looks good with a beard, though, doesn't he? I'm joking. He? Oh, you absolutely. both. Thanks very much.
0: <laughs> I'm joking. You're both looking very great.
2: Thank you. Thank yeah. you, darling. And, 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 I mean, it is the in-look these days, isn't it? You know, they have the beard. But seriously, I have not regretted one minute of stepping out of what was a wonderful life. I mean, we'd retired, we had a beautiful big travel rig in America, Mm. which was our dream. We are traveling all over the country, meeting lots of fabulous, fabulous people, became long-term friends, and then all of a sudden uprooting everything and moving to Bali because of a vision. But the blessings we get here uh, are such that we feel blessed because we know that we're not just focused on having fun, We're not focused on what we used to be on, how to make more money so we can have a bigger property or another BMW or whatever. You know, we're now focused on our, what we like to believe is our, our purpose in life mm. and to uh, help as many people as we can um, experience some sort of change within. Mm. It might be healing, it might be emotional, it could be, it could be anything. But. Too many of us live a life of running from pillar to post. And I think we all need to have that opportunity to realize that. Now, you might get it through meditation, you might get it walking on the beach or in the forest, whatever. Or you might come to the pyramids of chi and receive it You know, when you're laying down there. But whatever we do, we need to listen to these inner messages and scrap that sorry bullshit <laughs> that we get between the ears sometimes. And
0: you've definitely made that a little bit more accessible for people because I think the way the Pyramids of Chi has become so well known, Mm. you get a lot of people, I believe, coming here that maybe haven't ever thought of coming to sound healing before, but they come to Bali on holiday, they hear about the Pyramids of Chi, very often a full moon ceremony, Mm. and for the first time they get to experience this incredible resonance and the vibrations of the music, but the opportunity to just stop.
1: Yeah, exactly. To
0: lie down and to go inwards.
1: And I wonder if that's a first for quite a few people who come.
2: It is.
0: It no, is. I think it is. That's what I mean. I think it's mm. you've created that opportunity for people.
2: I would say that probably 50% of the people that come here is a first. But of that other 50%, some of them have been back dozens of times, like yourselves. You know, they come back because they get a fix. They they enjoy the experience. Maybe they're in need of that experience. Maybe things are just you know, mounting up and they're just feeling like overwhelmed. This need to just chill. I believe that part of my
1: progress, my rapid healing progress, w- was down to the, the multidisciplinary prescription I accidentally gave myself. So I was meditating, I was doing yoga, I was doing sound healing. Uh, I was doing a couple of other things, and it seemed to be it seemed that I had created this wonderful balance. From my perspective, we underestimate the, the the absolute power of consumption in general as humans. We don't consider what we're putting in our mouths. We don't consider what we're putting, uh, what we're mm. consuming with our eyes, and we don't consider what we're consuming with our ears. And you might you might think you actually have a quite a good mindfulness practice, but if you're listening to heavy metal or, you know, thrash death or whatever they call it these days, Mm. (laughs) sound like (laughs) like my dad. I actually did (laughs) listen to a lot of Iron Maiden when I was a kid, but then I would wager you're still out of balance compared to someone who is also considering what it is that they're uh, consuming with their ears. And Mm. as we said already in, in this episode, we are at our base, we are frequency. So, if we are listening to something that's the wrong frequency, then we are, we are maintaining misaligned energy centers. Perfect, yeah. As opposed to, okay, I, I need to do some work on my energy center in my head. Well, that's 432 hertz. There's a mm. the science behind this. I need, to, I need to do some work around opening my heart or, of course, the organs around my heart. That's 528 hertz. Again, science. So, and these are the things that people don't know about. They've just got no, no clue about and Well, I hope well, that's part and parcel of why we're doing this episode because I, I'd love for this conversation just to at least open people's minds a little bit to, to consider the importance of sound and resonance and, and how it affects us. And of course, if you really do think about it, we all know how music or a sound, sound of the birds, mm. sound of a singing bowl, sure. the sound of a gong, Uh, how they can absolutely change our our mood. And our, of course, our energy levels. Mm -hmm. There's no coincidence that we feel upbeat or we feel relaxed or we feel down. You know, our our energy levels are completely and utterly intrinsically linked with the frequencies (laughs) that we're being exposed to. Sure.
0: And the great thing I think about coming to the sound healings is it doesn't, doesn't matter if you don't know whether it's my heart that needs a bit of adjustment or whether it's my sacral chakra, When you come into the sound healing, the different resonances, the different vibrations are going to resonate with you and what you need in that moment.
1: Yeah. And of course, with that in mind, everyone that comes here gets uh, what we would call in the UK, like a full service. (laughs) You know, if your car... What, an MOT? An MOT, they would call it in in England. I don't know what they call it in Australia. Of course, MOT is my my initials as well. But... um, and, I, and I, suppo- I I have described coming to the Pyramid of Cheers as having a full service and MOT of my chakras.
2: Well, I love that one. Um, we have people coming back here time and again, like I said earlier, uh, looking for that re- recharge, um, <clears throat> clearing some emotional issues, um, getting rid of stress, whatever. And who knows what instrument it is that is actually clicking for them in the pyramid. It could be the energy of the whole place. It could be the energy of what's coming up from the floor. It could be the energy of the people in there uh, or just the pure energy of pyramids themselves. What we have found is that we predominantly play at least half of of any of our sessions with the gongs. Mm. After the human voice, the gong is the most powerful uh, instrument it's got the widest range of frequencies and tones on the body and works right through it. Um, believe it or not, the didgeridoo's also up there with it, mm. uh, singing bowls. And now a lot of our, our gong players are also very good singers or chanting uh, expertise, you know. And mixing all that together can create quite a recipe for healing. So different instruments have different responses and I guess it's what we're attuned to. I mean, you, you might have a bit of an affiliation with Iron Maiden. Me, I'm country and western yeah. or rock and roll. But yeah. that's our age, wasn't uh-huh. it? You know? Well, I'm a country and western now too. So, <laughs> uh, my,
1: my, uh, my musical interests have, have followed the winds of change, it's yeah. safe to say. Yeah. For anyone interested in finding out a little bit more about the Pyramids of Qi, obviously you can Google it, but also if you go on our website, howtodiehappypodcast.com forward slash on dash the dash show, you'll find uh, a, a picture of the handsome Peter with his wonderful wife Lynn down there. Click on that and you can get on the Pyramids of Qi site. Well, all this talk of... Sound healing instruments has made me want to go into a pyramid and um, and check them out. So should we
2: do that? Let's go and do it. Eh? Yeah. Yes, okay. please. Thanks, guys.
1: So here we are, uh, Jules and I. We're in the sun pyramid and to give you an idea well we're in a pyramid <laughs> and it's uh, it's dark and sort of well lit in a kind of cool way there are beds all over the floor there are instruments everywhere but in, in the centre of the pyramid is, is the, the pit which has three large gong frames four large gong frames and all the indigenous instruments you could possibly fantasise about and Standing in the, in the gong pit is Jordan, who is a gong master at Pyramids of Qi. So we're going to have a quick chat with Jordan.
0: Okay, Jordan. Hello. How does sound healing work?
3: So uh, the way that I have come to understand it from learning from my uncle, David Rotherham, uh, it's a combination of activating the body's own natural processes so you've got certain instruments like the gong, the dig make infrasonic and ultrasonic sounds. These can stimulate the body's own latent abilities, you know, th- simple functions like osteogenesis, organ function, these kind of things are supported by it. But the, another huge part of it does kind of sit in that world of transpersonal psychology where by entering lowered brainwave states and the, the theta, the delta state, of entering into the you know the subconscious or the dream world you can really achieve a lot of powerful work from there you know there's elements of emotion from previous existing experiences that get stuck in there, old memories old things like that and uh, my understanding is that a lot of the the sicknesses that we do find a lot of them can be addressed through addressing The emotions behind it the thoughts the feelings what's trapped in the body as well as in the back of the mind so yeah by bringing into that lowered altered state we can declutter that inside world that that gunk that gets all built up in there you know
1: that's a good way of putting it decluttering Uh, yeah it's shifting energy isn't it and it's and as you say you get you When we're in a certain state, we're in theta, for example, then we switch off ego Hmm. and enable our souls to do things that we couldn't ordinarily do when when ego is in in control. Hmm. So then we can start to work on on shifting or unblocking energy.
3: Yeah, you know, by getting the active, conscious, thinky thinky part of the brain out of the way, so that the deeper us, that that uh, you know, in my in my opinion, the more true us can do what it needs to do without us getting in the way of it. Sure. So it's a lot of surrender and trust. You know.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So how did you discover sound healing, and what made you want to become a sound healer?
3: Uh, so I didn't particularly want to do it. I just sort of it just sort of happened. Um, going through a process of some real real dark dark mental health days transitioning from a military lifestyle where you know I'm just not the kind of person suited for it and um, I, I kind of turned to drink but then I met a friend who introduced me to some more organic kind of approaches to altered states and then that kind of shifted my line of thinking to be open to meeting my uncle. Yeah, he at the time was the boyfriend of a friend of mine. And he asked me, you know, has anyone ever played the dig into your chest? And I said, no, I mean, I'm familiar with the instrument, but uh, never had that kind of experience with it. So he got me to hold the dig about, uh, yay, um, maybe like an inch or inch and a half from my chest. And he just unloaded into into my chest. Uh, The sensation was like every cell being pulled apart and put back together in the most incredible way. Didn't really know what it was about it. Just went, I want that. Mm. Uh, and then I don't really, haven't really made things happen. Coming here wasn't a choice as far as going, I want to go to Bali. It was saying yes to a dude who needed me to come in or wanted someone to do sessions. But um, yeah, it's sort of, I I love it, it's like playing, it's like dancing with with friends, and it seems to really help for other people as well, which is beautiful.
0: What is your go-to healing instrument? What resonates with you the most?
3: Uh, So for me that's definitely, uh, I'm going to say the didge. Um, So the didgeridoo, the yidaki, or the brudayamandu, as the people in my part of Australia call it, the kumbumere people. Followed very closely by, by drum and voice, uh, the, these three instruments are, in my opinion, some of the most powerful. But I'm really learning to appreciate the gongs, the bowls and these, this whole other spectrum of experience.
0: Mm, nice. I suppose the drum really kind of taps into our innate kind mm. of bodily wisdom.
3: Yeah, uh, no matter who you are, your ancestor at some point in time used it for ceremony, for ritual. It's every human being on this planet has had an ancestor that has played the drum.
1: And the body remembers, it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So you have uh, a lot of instruments here. What different kind of sound healing sessions are there?
3: So it definitely comes down to the facilitator. Different people have different lineages and backgrounds. Uh, with this, to, to give an idea of like the standard session that I will do, it's a distinct fusion of moving through the, uh, the metallic and the etheric, then coming back through the earthy, the deep down. So, uh, you, you know, I would personally normally start either with a little bit of heartbeat drum just to bring everyone into the space. It's easy to keep a cadence on breath then move to the metallic using the bowls, the gongs, these kind of things that launch us up before mm-hmm. coming back down with the the earthy, the things that pull us into this beautiful mother planet, you know?
1: Nice. And then, so do you tend to find that you're kind of riffing it a little bit with depending on on who you're working with?
3: I like to think myself a man of, of half in the scientific and half in what my father would call the woo-woo, but... Uh, a big part of that tends to fall into what I don't really have like rational words to describe. There's a a default flow that I will work with, but if there's a little voice that whispers in my left ear, do this, it doesn't matter what else I'm doing, that's what I do. If that little voice chimes in and goes, this. Um, For the dig, for the drum, and specifically for the song that goes with the drum, that's definitely a much more dynamic thing because one rhythm doesn't work for everyone. One person has something going on completely different to another. So they're less thinking about it and the more allowing, the better it is for people.
1: So you feel it. It's intuition.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's the whatever flow flows. Hmm. Yeah. I personally, I've been thinking that that voice is, is, you know, what I would call great spirit, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to say what it is or isn't. That's my, my understanding of it. As you say, surrender to the flow. Mm-hmm.
0: okay Jordan could you take us through some of the instruments in the pit?
3: so what I might do is I might actually go through the order that I would personally use them uh, failing something saying to go otherwise okay great so a uh, general rule it would probably personally start with uh, the Tibetan singing balls the Tibetan balls tend to fall into two styles of play you've got more or less tapping. So you get that, uh, the balls as a general rule, most people will actually know them more from their rubbing style, mm-hmm. which tends to give you a,
1: Singing bowls coming different sizes, of course. They're different notes, right?
3: Yeah. So the ones we have here, we have the seven separate tones. These are aligned with the chakras, I believe. But the, mm-hmm.
1: No, that makes perfect sense.
3: There, there is a, another one here that uh, is still a pitch higher, uh, but it tends to be used, I've noticed people who use it will use it to accompany mantra or to accompany vocal. It's much more sensitive. And then I'm a staunch believer that the replication of the natural world is a very powerful form of bringing into alignment. So I would generally start with bringing in the soft sound of the rain stick. Because this tends to bring a very f- refreshing, washing kind of sensation, and that would be coupled with a thunderbox, which is a funny thing that is easy to play badly, but it. Uh I think these things are great, uh, which I will generally build up to an actual thunder, a lightning strike that. And the didge would be the next thing, but uh, I would actually do windy didge while the rain and the thunder are happening because if you play the didge starting with just your breath, no vibration, you get. Uh, can eventually lead it to uh, the actual drone and the actual rhythm. From here, I would sometimes weave it with a drum, which is a little bit difficult to do if it is just myself in the space. Uh Uh, I would kind of weave through this big powwow drum you can can see here that no one else can really see at the moment, but uh, that kind of gives a real pumping into the floor, really starts to stir all people in the space. Let's play it. This one, we can actually move through the space, going to individual people, and follow the rhythm that needs to come through for them. singing is very, dyna- is very dynamic, it alters, it's, you feel when it's the wrong song for the wrong person and you feel when it's the right the right one and the beautiful thing is on our side you can see it as well if you're really properly being present with the person receiving you can watch their face shift as they go through whatever it is that they're processing. Woo. Uh, This is almost as active as we are in the space. Uh, So drum and rattle and voice would eventually fade out. There'd be some time of silence because sound is awesome. Silence with sound is even better. We would normally come back in with uh, kind of the bird sounds, the... She's just a feather duster. I love it. Household cleaning supplies Good for cleaning this space.
1: <laughs> Ancient, indigenous. It's,
3: yeah, it's great. Instrument. We would come to flute, and then after flute would be an actual guided hey, come back, feel the body. But the, the flute that I personally use is a Native American flute. It's, uh, my, I understand it as the love flute. I don't know if that's actually what it's called, but that's what I was told it is called it's uh, like so This is one of the things that uh, the co facilitators grab, and I never actually think to do, but they will grab it. It's the uh, Koshi chime. It's a beautiful style of wind chime that. Uh
1: Jordan
0: oh the koshy chimes they have to be one of my favourites I always get this image of lying under a tree just uh, watching the leaves move in the breeze
1: they are truly magical it's worth pointing out that there are significantly more instruments around the pit uh, including several gongs and more singing bowls but uh, obviously as much as we would have loved to just sit around listening to Jordan playing these things all day it might not be uh, quite as interesting for our listeners.
0: Did you have a favourite out of that selection that Jordan played?
1: Well, I, as much as he admittedly didn't actually play it all that well, sorry, Jordan, uh, my favourites are the singing bowls. The singing bowls always do something for me.
0: Yeah, they're very ethereal. They always make me drift off, as it come out of my body and my body starts to disappear.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But in fairness to Jordan, when he demonstrated that, Traditionally, you would obviously continue to rub the bowl, whereas he did a, a super fast demonstration. So it's singing bowls for me. I love the koshi chimes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think the gong does something. Yeah, it certainly does something oh. for me. Yeah. Um, the didgeridoo though, man. Wow. I'm looking forward to watching the effect that the didgeridoo has on you.
0: Yeah. I've not had a lot of work with the didgeridoo and it's um, a very, very deep sound. Very... Um deep resonance
1: it is so next we're just going to spend a couple of minutes with you lying on one of these beds and Jordan is is going to do a a highly immersive sound healing session for you traditionally of course it would be an hour but we're going to condense it to a couple of minutes so are you ready for your sound healing Jules?
0: I am very ready you don't have to ask me twice to lie down for sound healing
1: all righty then Well, for those of you listening at home, might I suggest you take a moment to really immerse yourself in this. So if you can, put some headphones on, lie down, breathe, listen to it or get yourself close to your speakers. Let's do this. Jules how was that
0: blissful yeah I feel like I've just had a it was very very quick I've never had such a quick um sound healing but I've also never had one so intensely just with myself like a private session um it's almost feels like I've had a recalibration you know like it's just complete reset through my system
1: nice and I think mm. that's the intention isn't it
0: yeah yeah, I mean it's it's very powerful. The didgeridoo was very deep, so very um, well. It moved throughout my whole body, but for me, it was very um, very strong in my stomach.
1: Well, I watched him work, and he was essentially working directly over you, so that he was playing the instruments directly at you. Yes, yeah, so I, I could feel
0: the the vibrations running the whole way through my body in a in a in a really nice sequence.
1: Uh-huh. So obviously, for the purposes of um, the podcast, we 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 made that quite a short session. I think it was only a few minutes, wasn't it? But the the idea is, ordinarily, you do this for thirty, forty five to an hour. I think is that right?
0: Yeah, but I think even even three minutes. I mean, it's intense. So you're yeah. still, you're getting quite a lot of healing power through that.
1: Mm. So imagine that in an hour.
0: Yeah, for me, it was very reminiscent of sitting in ceremony with a plant plant medicine. Um, That kind of moment, the ditch kind of recreates this sound that I often feel I can hear as I'm starting to kind of drift away with the plant medicine, Mm. you know, this kind of bridge between this dimension and perhaps another dimension. Magical. Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. That was um, really special.
3: It was uh, too short. Is is my opinion, but uh, you know, it's it's a pleasure to have you in the space and to have you allow for for me to do this work with you.
1: So, when you're doing um, a sound healing session, Jordan, regardless of whether or not it's for one person or a group, do you, you, I watched you then. You you were really connected. You know, you you were you were doing exactly as you highlighted earlier on. You were intuiting. Mm. So, what are you doing when you're when you're doing this? Are you, uh, how much of it is about practical management of instruments, and how much of it is just flow?
3: It's funny. I'm I'm going through the process at the moment of um, running one of our co-facilitators through the and proce- uh, through learning how to do this, and I keep telling her that the instruments themselves are only a very small part of the work. You only really need to understand. Don't put this one on its face or. or or do put this on its face. Um, uh, but the actual f- physical engagement with the instruments is only very small. Once you know how to do it, you kind of let it flow the way it wants to flow, you know, and you would have seen that there were moments where the, the rhythm of the, the drum and of the dig shift. My approach is if I have to try, I'm doing it wrong. Mm. It just sort of flows through the way it does um there obviously there are things that I will always fall back on if I've got nothing else if uh, like I've got rhythms and I've got songs that I will fall back on if nothing is kind of coming through but uh, a lot of it it's I'd say 20% physical management of instruments and then from the rest I would say it's about 40% listening 40% feeling
1: well you vibed didn't you
0: Yeah, I was thinking, actually, I imagine when you've got a room full of people, you're dealing with so many different energies.
3: One of the biggest things that I've been learning lately, uh, I'm very blessed to have kind of come into a place of finding something that, at least for now, until I'm proven otherwise, does feel very much like it's my goal. But as I've come through a period of my wife's calling it the Saturn return, I think, the the (laughs) 30s, I'm starting to learn about the responsibility goes with this because for me this is fun this is play but also from an energetic perspective you know I I have my home I have my my family that I need to leave this here and that there so uh, when it's small groups you know between 5 and 15 I can take the time with each individual person but then at the end of the session I tend to burn purifying smoke for myself I tend to go out and put my feet on the earth if it 's raining, even better, I go out and let that wash over, mm. and then when I go home, I scrub with salt
1: mm. yeah, makes sense. energetic cleanse you mm. have a if you have seventy people in here of all walks of life and from different different stages of development, uh, you will have a an absolute tram smash of energy in here, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: definitely need some salt after that
1: <laughs> and the smudge yeah well thank you so much for your time and energy today i for one have, have thoroughly enjoyed listening to you uh doing your demonstrations and and listen to you speak about something that you're quite clearly very passionate and naturally called to so thank you so much jordan yeah thank
0: you so much that was really really wonderful
3: <laughs> thank you <laughs>